Welcome to the Sherdog Radio Network preview for UFC on ESPN 51, Luque versus Dos Anjos, also known as UFC Vegas 78. I'm your host, Ben Duffy of Sherdog.com. With me, as always, is the executive producer of the Sherdog Radio Network, Mr. Keith Schillen. Keith, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, most people who would normally listen to this show on a Monday morning, unfortunately, they get they can listen to it on a Tuesday or, or whenever a day later than they normally do. That is not on Ben. That is 100% on me. I actually canceled on Ben. Um, I don't know, maybe about an hour and a half or two hours before we were supposed to record. Um, ben was very gracious. He said, well, that card, they've delayed RDA and Luke a couple of times. We'll delay this a day. Uh, but uh, I apologize. Just like uh, the two episodes that we had for the last show, that was on me too. Uh, I, 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 I don't want to mess with the listeners. Like I, I know some people have a routine and I, and I know I can speak for both of us. We're very thankful that anybody will watch this show or listen to the show. Like, and that some people have made it part of their routine. Like that means so much to me. Um, so I'm sorry. I don't, but please don't be too pissed off about it. Um, yeah. please, don't, please don't leave us for some other show. <laughs> uh, we, we were just given the UFC one more day to find a uh, replacement for Brady. He stand. I mean, maybe they're calling to see if they can get Sean Woodson brought over from Nashville in time to <laughs> do it like a catch weight fight or something. Cause Dude, yeah, hold on, like, hold on, hold on. Did, did you say, did you say Nashville? Oh man. Got to make the hat a bow nickel thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this card, we're getting a 12-fight card. At this point, uh, we lost Damon Blackshear versus Brady Heastand because Heastand had a uh, staph infection. As of Monday night of fight week, they haven't found a replacement. So we're looking at a 12-fight card as it's currently constituted. Uh, what are your general thoughts on this one? I mean, it's not even fair to compare this to a pay-per-view. I mean, is yeah, this no, better no, no, no. Than, than the Nashville card last no. weekend? No, not close. Um now, the main event, you know, in the national card was very disappointing, but on paper, that was a really good card. This is a weaker fight night on paper. Um, you know, the main event is is one of the fights that I, I kind of wish it wasn't a five-round fight. Uh, not, not that these guys can't go five rounds, but I, just, I don't want to see these guys take that kind of damage anymore for, for 25 minutes. Uh, and the rest of the card, I mean, there's a couple prospects here and there to get excited, but... Uh, you know, it's it's very lacking. The, the co-main event is not exciting at all. The rest of the main card isn't that. Like, if I, you want me to give you a letter grade, I can like a D plus. <laughs> I don't know. I'd, I'd say it's it's around there. The card that I did solo, like about a month ago, the one where I knew you weren't going to be there, and I felt bad even roping anybody else in. <laughs> and that yeah. one, I said, I'm giving it like a D minus on paper. There's just like no divisional relevance. Right, Holly yeah, the home versus yeah, Bueno yeah. Silva one. I mean, that one at least, the home versus Bueno Silva winner was probably close to a title shot. Here, Luque Dos Anjos, the winner of that is not close to a title shot. Yeah, like Swanson Dawadu, even worse. Like, <laughs> yeah, the winner of the main event's like, oh, congratulations, you're the 13th best welterweight in the world, or whatever, you know. Yeah, but no, completely. It's and I mean, just at an eyeball, I could see there being four or five people on the cut list, depending on how some of these uh fights further down the card go yeah this is it's it's just another card and you know what I, i'm not going to complain too much 
having fights is better than not having fights. You and I both came up in the era where, hey, good or bad, this card was all we were going to have to talk about for the next three months. So, you know, I'm I'm excited nonetheless, but uh, there's not a whole lot to say about it overall. Shall we just dig into this thing? (laughs) We had the absolute worst at at like, hey, guys, this card sucks. Now listen to this two-hour preview. (laughs) We're the worst. First up on the UFC Vegas 78 card, at least as the card is currently constituted, is a women's flyweight matchup between Juliana Miller and Luana Santos. Miller, the 27-year-old Californian, is 3-2 and two overall. She is 1-1 one and one since joining the UFC almost exactly a year ago. She won her debut in dominant fashion over Brogan Walker, came back in March at UFC 286, and dropped a lopsided, one-sided unanimous decision to Veronica Macedo, now Veronica Hardy. Uh, It marked Hardy's comeback from three years off, and I'm frankly, she uh, blanked Miller. Uh, So Miller's looking to bounce back from her first UFC loss. She will be welcoming to the UFC uh, the newcomer, Santos. 23-year-old Brazilian is 5-1 and overall. Uh, She comes to the UFC most recently out of LFA, where she's on a two-fight win streak, fought most recently in March at LFA 154, where she choked Partira Rodriguez all the way out in the first round. Odds on this one actually favor the newcomer. Santos is out there around minus 140, Miller plus 110. Uh, Keith, I mean, I know that you're, you have your own way to prepare for these shows. I have my own way, but in general strokes, I, I think we both kind of triage and prioritize this by, okay, who do I know the least about and need to get the most... <laughs> You know, what most tape in on versus if I get all the way to the end, okay, sure, I'll, you know, I'll rewatch a couple of Derek Lewis fights sure. just for the fun of it. Yeah, uh, exactly. Even if he's not on the card, I'll just start watching Derek Lewis fights. You know, but, no. um, <laughs> I watched. Did, did, did you say Texas? <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched. Uh, Every scrap of tape there is available on Luana Santos. I think I watched all but two of her pro fights, and at least <laughs> yeah, one of her amateur fights. <laughs> if you are a regular of the Shillin' and Duffy show, uh, if you've listened to any of our previews, any of our recaps, you know that both of us uh, have a strong distaste for the, well, the women's flyweight headlock throw. Luana Santos may be the fighter most reliant on that one move of anybody I've ever watched tape on. Like and I started watching her stuff from like early on, like for from her last uh, amateur fight through her first couple of pro fights. Every single one of them, she tried a headlock throw within the first thirty seconds, and she was fighting women who were overmatched enough that I saw one where she threw the woman with the headlock throw and finished the fight from that position. They never got up again from her kind of having her in a scarf (laughs) hold, punching her a little bit, and then like going uh, for a submission a few minutes later. Uh, She's gotten by to this point on. Well, athleticism, aggression, you know, good strength. And at a certain level, all you really need to succeed in MMA is one or two good techniques and the athleticism and the aggression to to leverage them. But I got to say, I was not terribly impressed by what I saw by her. Uh, flipping over to Miller, I, I mean, Miller came to the UFC with a, a little bit of sizzle about her for a woman who was only like two and one or three and one when she debuted and then she destroyed Brogan Walker. Uh, I mean, she's a 10th planet grappler that brings a, well, it, one, it brings a certain style of grappling Two, it brings a certain personality 
she's got both, you know, she's, uh, she's Southern California, not Northern California, but there is a little bit of that like Chick Diaz vibe to her where she's kind of combative, uh, you know, kind of a little bit cocky, not in a bad way. And then she ran into Veronica Hardy and Hardy just showed her to be at this point, at least a very limited fighter. Uh, most of what I remember from that uh, fight at UFC 286 was just what a revelation Veronica Hardy was. Like she was much better than she ever had been. She she was a woman who came into that fight off of three years off and was like one in three or one in four at the UFC at the time. <laughs> and she was better at literally everything. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, it, it leaves me thinking, okay, what do we have left in Miller? We have a woman who, I mean, she is a good strong confident grappler on the ground she is big and strong she's a willing striker who tries to use her height and and reach to her advantage doesn't always achieve it uh but against hardy she looked slow uh she wasn't able to get to the fight the fight to the ground when she wanted to how she wanted to but hardy was able to get her down with no problem and when she was stuck on the feet hardy was piecing her up uh so i feel as though i saw some of miller's ceiling at least at her current stage of development in march but I didn't see much that Luana Santos is going to be able to take advantage of. I mean, Santos is going to be shorter. She's going to be probably lighter. And I just have trouble picturing Santos getting that headlock throw on Miller and just tossing her on her butt. And even if she does, I, I have a hard time picturing Miller just sitting there and taking it and not doing something immediately when they hit the ground. So I think this is, I mean, I was a little surprised when I saw the odds because I think this is going to be a, a solid bounce back fight for Miller. Uh, if it stays on the feet, neither of these women is a very polished striker yet, but uh, I think Miller has better natural power, better natural reach. Uh, I imagine it won't be conducted at range. I think Santos is probably going to try to crash the pocket, get a hold of Miller and haul her down pretty quick, but I just don't think it's going to work. Uh, I, I think Miller of all people would be the one who realizes, okay, yeah, I just need to step back, pull my head out, and now I've got her back standing, and we're going to the ground how I want to. So, yeah, give me Miller in a pretty one-sided decision here. Both of these women are too young and too inexperienced for me to write off completely as prospects, but I'm not that super excited about either either. But for now, this is Miller's night. Yeah, so you said you didn't know why Veronica Macedo, now Veronica Hardy, was so improved. That's a pretty simple answer. She's been training with her new husband, Dan Hardy, for his comeback fight <laughs> that, <laughs> that we've been hearing about for 12 years now. <laughs> um, I, I saw Dan Hardy at the PFL thing uh, on Friday. Yeah. Super nice guy. <laughs> except he except to be a UFC employee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he, he doesn't look to be in comeback shape to me. No. So talk. <laughs> No, I mean, I, uh, I, I, I bet we see Stefo in another fight before, before Dan. Does, so. uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, all right. So, wait a minute. So you said you watched all of Santos's fights, uh, which is perfect because um, I <laughs> had probably the busiest week I've had in God knows how long, and I've done the least research for this card. I just want to throw this warning out there. So, I know some people like to follow bets. Uh, you know, far picks and make bets. Follow Ben's. Don't follow mine because I, I didn't. I will be honest. I did my best DC impression and <laughs> didn't do my homework. Um, ben is Ben is doing his. You know that like 
that commercial you hear on ESPN late at night, you know, like ESPN radio at like 2 a.m. Like, get your picks in. I get guaranteed winners. Like, that's Ben this week. That is not me. Um, Just sprinkle. <laughs> uh, yeah, Juliana Miller. So I'll say this. She She's huge for the weight class. Like, she's big, but she is raw. Like, you, you said it. Like, her last fight, she needs a lot of polish. I like her output, but she's stiff on the feet. She's one of these ones willing to eat a punch to land one of her own. Um, but she better have a good chin because she eats a lot of shots. Uh, she loads up on her punches. She does use her size well in the Muay Thai clinch, and she can battle in the clinch. Some pretty good pummeling skills. Um, okay foot sweeps. But overall, she wants to get the fight to the ground, and she's a weak offensive wrestler. She's definitely one of these BJJ practitioners that do the BJJ kind of takedowns where – you know, like, all right, guys, five minutes of takedowns and like, okay, I'll pick up your leg. You fall down now, <laughs> you know, or I pick up, I'll pick up your leg and I'll put my hand on your thigh and push down and you fall over kind of thing. Cause she doesn't have a lot of takedowns. Uh, if she gets it down, she's pretty good on top. Some solid ground and pound, some good back takes, uh, though she will ride a little too high and lose position. Uh, but she, she got a really got a couple, I think she had a couple subs on, on the contender series. I'm sorry. On, um, the Ultimate Fighter show. Uh, if she's taken down, she she stays busy with subs off her back, uh, tossing up backs. But she kind of plays that BJJ game, uh, or she kind of lands elbows on bottom, which is always fun, but not if you're not going to get up with it. So uh, I like that despite getting her butt handed by Hardy, she was going hard for all 15 minutes. Uh, Santos is 23 years old. I, I think I'm a little higher in her boxing than you are. Um, she uses feints pretty well. I mean, she's just got some tight boxing. Her, her last fight, she kept doing this like dip down overhand right where she was kind of like faking like she's going to go for takedown, and, and she was landing it over and over again. She throws hard, decent pop, really steps into her shots. Uh, she like, she wants to be a kickboxer. Like, she wants to throw kicks, but she throws a lot of naked kicks, so she's going to be open for counters there. She also doesn't check kicks. Uh, she doesn't She doesn't move her head enough, which I don't like. Uh, I agree with you on her on her ground, very judo style, but she does like to go headlock. Uh, she is a BJJ black belt and a judo black belt. She has three subs on her record. Uh, I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go with Santos. Um, Miller is a BJJ fighter, but so is Santos, and, and, and Santos is a black belt. And and I, <laughs> even though you were kind of dogging her stand-up and, and, and whatnot, uh, I, I don't like Miller's stand-up. You know, she's at the age where she could make some big, drastic improvements. But on the feet, from what I've seen, I think Santos is a little bit better. So I see bad as Santos on the feet. I say Santos wins by decision. Next up on the UFC on ESPN 51 prelims is a clash between uh, two strawweight women looking to bounce back from their first UFC loss, as it is Jackie Amarim versus Montserrat Conejo Ruiz. Amarim, the 28-year-old Brazilian, is 6-1 and one overall. Uh, she last fought back in April at UFC 287. It was her UFC debut. She dropped a unanimous decision to Sam Hughes. That marked uh, an unsuccessful debut, obviously, and her first career loss. So she'll be looking to uh, get back in the win column. Opposing her in that endeavor will be Ruiz. 30-year-old Mexican is 10-2 and two overall. She is 2-1 and one in the UFC. Uh, she has not fought for a little over two years. She last fought all the way back at the UFC on ESPN 
Makachev versus Moises card where she got plunked by Amanda Lemos in like 30 seconds. Prior to that, she had looked fairly promising uh, with a pair of wins over Janeza Moranjan and Cheyenne Vlismas. Odds here do heavily favor the Brazilian. She is minus 275, Ruiz plus 225 on the comeback. Uh, Keith, I, I mean, we just finished talking about a woman who likes the headlock throw a lot. That is, of course, the, the signature move of Montserrat Canejo as well. Uh, are, are we going to see so, some headlock throws here from her? Uh, uh, and who gets it done? Yeah, I'm going to call her Ruiz because that's much easier. I don't I don't, <laughs> I don't, make those pronunciations like you do. Uh, being that, you know, you being right on the border there in, in Texas, right on the border of Mexico. So, you know, Texas, you, can, you always get that going. Uh, uh, sorry, if you guys didn't watch the uh, the recap show, you're not going to get these jokes. Um, and, 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 and guys, I don't know why you're not watching the recap show. We have, we, we, we're even less professional on that show. <laughs> um, uh, Ruiz. Yeah, she's a southpaw with – I like her volume on the feet. She's got pretty quick hands. I like that she attacks a combination, but she, she tends to lack head movement, um, making herself hittable, uh, kind of dragging herself into wars. Uh, she can wrestle. Um, I like She likes upper body takedowns. <laughs> you mentioned it. She does that dumb headlock throw. So we, we might we might get two fights in a row with we get in a, get in a uh, headlock. Uh, I, I like what she did to Cheyenne uh, – I almost called her by probably because of her, because um, her husband, her, her husband, ex- her ex- husband's yeah, on the card. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, she, she batted her on the ground pretty good. Um, she has two submission wins too. Uh, Amarine, despite getting a really quick KO once in her um, before her UFC debut, she's very uncomfortable in her in her striking. Uh, she throws strikes just to distract to close the distance. Um, to you know, to wrestle, she makes a mistake of throwing naked leg kicks too. Uh, her wrestling decent entries. She she will shoot a, l- a little too far away from my liking, but she doesn't cut the corner well. Uh, if she can't get the fight to the ground, she'll pull guard. Uh, she's I'd say she's an elite grappler. She's a BJJ black belt. Has competed in some really high level BJJ competition. Strong top game. Advances position on the ground. Tons of submission. Get subs from really any any position possible. Um, I've seen it hit like a really slick knee bar in the LFA, but cardio is a major question mark. She hasn't gone. I, th- I don't think she's gone. Like her last last fight was the only fight that she went past the first round, I believe. Yeah. Um, uh, MRM, she, she's a stud if the fight hits the ground. I don't know why the hell I'm doing this, but I'm going the other way. I'm going to go with the upset. I say where he stuffs enough takedowns and she lands the better shots on the feet. Like I, de- I definitely see this with her having the advantage on the feet and Aaron having the advantage on the ground. <sighs> this is, this is one of these picks. Like what the hell? This, this is my Alexa Kamer pick. Like I know I'm, I'm making this pick <laughs> and, it's, and it's wrong, but I'm going to go with Ruiz by decision. You know what? I, I could see her actually having a decent chance of doing that. If she can avoid her tendency to want to bring fights to the ground. Uh, the kind of wild thing about her first couple of UFC fights was not just that she kept doing that headlock throw, but it kept working. I mean, I, I can't remember whether it was Janaza Moranjan or Cheyenne Blismas that she hit like seven headlock throws on. 
just like this. No, it, it was Cheyenne Blismas, the one that she like, she just dumped her with that same headlock through like what felt like six or seven times. Uh, I don't know if I trust her to try to keep this on the feet. Cause I agree with you. Like Emmerim seems uncomfortable on the feet. She's hittable. Uh, it, it's, it's awkward. And Ruiz could box her up despite being one of the tiniest, I mean, in term, at least in terms of height and reach, uh, straw weights in the division. But I think this fight's going to end up on the ground at some point in the first round and a half. And I think once it does, Ruiz is in big trouble. Uh, Emmerim, gas tank definitely not tested. I mean, you pointed out she's only been past the first round once. And before her last uh, title defense in LFA, she had never even been past like the two minute mark. Uh, I'm thinking this is over before then. Give me Jackie Emmerim by first round submission. We head now to the heavyweight division for uh, what figures to be the only heavyweight bout on the card, unless Chris Dawkins really, really screws things up. It is Josh Parisian versus Martin Budai. Parisian, the 34 year old Michigander, is 15 and six overall. He is two and three since joining the UFC out of the fourth season of Dana White's contender series. He has alternated losses and wins throughout that. He is coming off of a loss. He dropped a unanimous decision to Jamal Pogues back in February at the Andrade versus Blanchfield fight night card. So uh, he's just looking to keep the pattern going at least for one more fight uh, and get back in the win column. He'll be facing Budai, who is as yet undefeated in the UFC. The 31-year-old Slovakian is 12-1 overall. He is 3-0 since joining the UFC out of Season 5 of the Contender Series. Uh, he last fought at the Song versus Simone card back in April, where he went to a unanimous decision, or sorry, won a unanimous decision over Jake Collier. Odds here favor Budai. He is minus 200. Parisian out there around plus 170. Uh Keith, Martin Budai is settling into a disturbing, disturbing <laughs> trend here because he's not that old. I mean, he's 31 years old. No. That means he could have like literally a, a decade of peak performance still ahead of him. He's winning a lot more than he loses, and he's going to decision every time. How much joy is this man going to suck out of the oh MMA universe by the time he's done with this? Uh, he is... I mean, he's 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 turning into the second coming of Shet Congo. Tell me if he gets it done here oh, against Parisian and how you see this fight going. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> uh, I just I'm I, I'm so sick of talking about bad heavyweights. <laughs> like every week, we got to get one. Like, yep. Can you just well, just once not give us a bad heavyweight? Like or like give us like a month of it, or 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 you know what, you know what, do this to the UFC. Just give us a whole card of bad heavyweights, and just get yes. it over. Just get it over. Yes, like they like give us like a good heavyweight fight. You, you know, uh, Curtis Blades versus Sergey Pavlov. I know they just fought Pepper. Two first two guys that came to mind. Like give us that real like legit heavyweight, and then just put the rest. And then get get every unranked heavyweight one. in the UFC on the card. All the I cards. mean, because what's the UFC have right now? Probably about thirty heavyweights. Bring, bring back the bring back the. Uh, the names, the names of the card. Big. This one could be heavy hitters too, you know, yeah. or something. Just uh, everyone and, loves heavyweights or some shit and, like that. But then also, 
do it at like a real high altitude location. It's like, like make it like Albuquerque or Denver or or fucking Machu Picchu. Like do it at like 11,000 feet. How about the, do you ever watch the post fight interviews? I know we always do the the show, so I know you can't watch it live, but it was, so uh, there was this one lady in Utah. This is why I, I actually I'm I'm covering for Sherdog in Boston in, in two weeks, but I probably shouldn't because this lady kept asking. She was obviously a local. She was like, "Oh, this is I don't know her name, but this is uh, Cindy Smith from uh, Utah Valley News or something," you know. And they'd all, you know, Jose Youngs would ask his questions, and and you know who, whoever was, was there would ask their questions, and then. She'd always about third or fourth person go and go. So, uh, what do you think of Utah? Like, how do you how do you like Utah? And then the person would answer, and then the next time that she asked the same question, and she did it all week. But she was also there for the pre interviews, and she'd do the same question. Was like, so, uh, so what do you think of Utah? You you like the altitude? Like, like what are you doing for training? Did you come out here early? Like, she always asked the same question. I'm like, anyways. Just so I know. So I know somebody at one of our lists probably thought how annoying that is. It may just it may just me. Um, <laughs> let me tell you about Czech Congo. Right? This is all. I just don't want to talk about this fight. So Czech Congo. <laughs> I interviewed Czech Congo for uh, Share Dog, and uh, I somehow the only thing more boring than a Czech Congo uh, fight is a Czech Congo interview, <laughs> and <laughs> I you know I'm trying everything to get him. Somehow I ask him about uh, his wrestling, but this isn't a scrum style. It's like individuals, but there's this fighters all over the place, and they're like, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to explain how how they do it. But they'll, they'll have like a couple of people over here, a couple over there, and then like kind of like, almost, yeah, the car wash where like you just kind of rotate, kind of rotate, yeah. yeah. And then you sit there, and 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 uh, CJ comes up to you, and you're like trying to like pretend like you don't notice that nobody's talking to, to Chet Congo, and you're like. You know, you you checking your camera for batteries. Make sure, like, like, all right, don't, I don't. And all these, like, hey, uh, Keith, uh, check Congo is is ready if you want to. Like, oh shit, <laughs> okay. So I start interviewing him. I'm taping, and then and I asked about. He goes on this like wicked long thing about his wrestling, like two minutes long, and I'm like falling asleep. And then this guy just sits, just goes right next to me. Another news, and just right in the middle of my interview, just asks his own questions. But he asked him right again about his wrestling. And he gives the same answer again for two minutes straight. <laughs> so I have like a four minutes of him just talking about wrestling. <laughs> Anyways, it was the same time that Chet Congo uh, was pissed off at something about Ryan Bader and his, enti- his, his post-fight interview, which was actually pretty entertaining. goes, I don't want to talk about this. I'm really frustrated. Uh, I, like, I just want to fight Ryan Bader. So that's all I got to say. Then he points at me. He goes, I like you, though. Um <laughs> <laughs> something like that like i like you and i don't want to talk sorry guys <laughs> like no <laughs> must, have been, must have been that hard-hitting question i asked him <laughs> um uh anyways all right let's not put this off uh josh parisian he is a a, t- a poor athlete he, he he keeps his hands are slow uh he, he does have good volume he kind of pumps out a jab he loves spinning attacks um He's either like spinning attacks, or he's a fat kid who threw a punch. He lost control. I'm not sure. Um, uh, he's got a lot of defensive issues, uh, particularly, you know, he he stands up tall and and pulls his head straight back. 
He's a weak wrestler. I mean, he got taken down by Parker Porter, Dante Mays. His last fight against Jamal Pogues took him down. Uh, Mays was past his guard. If he ends up on top, he's so big, he does do well to hold his opponent down. But his gas tank is bad. I mean, he gassed out against Porter, gassed out against Alan Bodeau. He gassed against Jamal Pogues. And the three guys I said, they ain't action fighters. <laughs> you know what I mean, this isn't uh, uh, Billy Quintillo, Damian Jackson type fighters, you know. Uh, <laughs> Martin Boudet, he's undefeated in the UFC, but still a terrible athlete. Like, he, he's a big dude. He's got some good output. He throws combinations, but he 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 lacks power for a heavyweight. And, and that's because he kind of pulls his punches. He keeps his chin high in the air. Uh, he backs straight up. He loves grinding against a clinch. He wants to close the distance, grind against clinch, like foot stomp, shoulder, <laughs> bump his, his opponent's shoulder with his shoulder. Um, he, he's <laughs> He reminds me, <laughs> you know, he fights. He, he reminds me of like when like an offensive defense alignment, like getting a like, like the, 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 the little like fight that happens when like the running backs getting up, like the, the play is over. They kind of bump each other a little bit. Oh, and yeah. like they know the referee's going to pull them apart. Like imagine that going on for 15 minutes. That's, that's, that's how this guy fights. And, and he's totally the offensive lineman in that one. Yeah. Cause the offensive like, lineman is like twice as slow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's uh yeah, we got freaking uh <laughs> my, this, this guy's so forgetful. He's undefeated. He's so good, I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> and I've just I've been talking about the last five minutes. Martin Joe Thomas <laughs> Badeau, however you say his name. I'm 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 messing up him and, and Alan Badeau. I'm I'm mixing them together. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I guess. I'm so unprofessional today. Uh not that I'm ever professional, but uh, so he likes the dirty box. Uh, the most excitement I see him was when he got Chris Barnett against the cage and was hitting him with some knees. Uh, and to his credit, he has good volume and he has good cardio. So I hate this fight, but I'm le- leaning toward Martin Bidet. Uh He's the better wrestler. I think he has a much better, uh, deeper gas tank. I think I think the first round could be kind of close, but Bidet pulls away round two, round three. Give me Bidet by decision. Yeah, I I can't find anything to argue with there because even I mean, all else being equal and I don't think it is equal. I think Budai is a little better at most things. The fact that he has demonstrably decent cardio and Parisians is a problem means that like Budai should pull out ahead as this fight goes on. Like even if he loses the first round, like I still feel good about that picking Budai in this fight. Uh, Give me Budai by decision. And this is going to be, I think, one of those fights where 90% of the action, and I have to put action in air quotes, takes place literally touching the fence or within that warning track area. It, it is going to be just a a smothering in the clinch against the fence for most of the fight, I think. Next up at UFC Vegas 78 are the featherweights as Francis Marshall takes on Isaac Dolgarian. Marshall, the 24-year-old New Jersey native, is 7-1 overall. He is 1-1 since joining the UFC out of Season 4 of Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, He won his debut back in December with a second-round KO of Marcelo Rojo, came back in April, and dropped a split decision to the highly heralded William Gomez. So he'll be looking to bounce back, uh, remind everybody that he is a solid prospect in his own right and he'll try to do it against Dolgarian who finally makes his UFC debut 27 year old Kansas City native is a perfect 5-0 and as a mixed martial artist 
he was uh, signed late last year, was supposed to debut in January, but uh, forget why he was pulled from that, but it was definitely him that got pulled. He's finally making his debut here against uh, against Marshall. He is a moderate underdog. Marshall is out there around, around minus 175, Bulgarian plus 140. Uh, Keith, I'm going to toss this one uh, to you first, but anytime over the last year and change that a fighter comes out of Kansas City, that especially one that was a glory MMA and fitness fighter from his pro debut, and in fact, all of his pro fights have been in FAC, which is the promotion at least co-owned by... Uh, James Krause and I don't know. James Krause. James Krause yeah. would would coach and own the. Yeah, that's not shady. No, not, not at all. What a gem! James Krause went from like the guy who saves cards against Trevin Giles and like, well, what a badass too. Like the like fucking like sleazeball guy. And, it didn't have to be. The guy blew up his own spot so bad. Like he just he wouldn't stop talking about it. Uh, like he and, wouldn't stop just like sounding off and like he'd go on the and, power and, and be like in fairness, guys who gamble on the fights and win can't ever stop talking about it either. They gotta tell everyone how they won. Yeah. And and that that was him. He would go on the <laughs> MMA hour and be like, Yeah, I actually make more money from gambling than I do from coaching. It's like, dude, shut up. Uh, <laughs> like, Anyway, especially when I book my guys on my regional scene against nobodies. And I mean, Dolgarian came out of that. He's still a young guy. I always kind of look to see where those people land. He has landed at Factory X, which I think for a guy in his general weight range is a really pretty solid choice. They just have a ton of bodies, a ton of good guys in that in that general range. So I'm interested to see how he looks here. I don't know if it'll be enough to get him over the hump against Marshall. I turn it over to you to Tell me how you think this fight goes. Yeah. I was thinking about when he pulled out of his last fight, and I don't remember who replaced him, but I was thinking, you know what would be badass at the UFC? I know this is not possible, but <laughs> I got to get my one pro wrestling reference in. Is All right, so what was a late replacement we had? Any what, who, who pulled out? What was a, a fight change that we, for this card? The one that we're uh, covering right now? Yeah, but what somebody somebody had to come in like? Oh yeah, I mean, Gaston Bolanos, Terence McKinney just got added. Yeah, Terence McKinney okay. got added. In place right, imagine, of imagine, yeah. imagine this is how the fight gets announced. Breeden comes out. He knows he's fighting, but nobody else does. And who's the mystery one? Somehow you get Jim Ross just to come in just for the hell of it by Jerry the King Lola, and then it's like, is that Terence McKinney's music? And then he comes out like, how dope would that be? All right, that's what we have to do for for the all heavyweight card that we're, that we're putting together for the UFC. <laughs> that's it. That's it. All right. Um, all right. What fight are we talking about? I'm, I'm so unprofessional today. Marshall um, versus Dolgari. Marshall, the fire Marshall. Uh, Marshall, Marshall. I actually like both these guys. Uh, Marshall is a high output fighter that just constantly marching down his foe. Uh, he he definitely wants to be the one. Being pressured, he doesn't like being pressured back. He's he's a serviceable boxer, throws straight shots down the pipe. Straight right is kind of like his go-to, though he does look for it a lot. And that's probably why he he lost his last fight. Well, not that's not the only reason why, but that he he kept trying to land the same shot. He got some nice snap on his shots, plus power. Uh, we saw that against um, Marcel Rojo, uh, showed off some power. He does have some defensive issues, chin high in the air, 
uh, stands tall. Uh, solid calf kicks, uh, though he is open to calf kicks himself. Uh, he's get, he gets some takedowns, he, uh, though he, he will shoot from too far away. But when a fight hits the ground, he looks to pass position. Uh, some pretty good pack takes. He's, he's a legit submission threat. He can, he can get some subs. Uh, and, and good card, he can go hard. Uh, pretty pretty hard though his last fight he slowed down a little bit that might have been another reason uh, but it was a it was a pretty good pace fight so um, Bulgarian he's only 26 uh, he's been a pro for like two years or something like that two and a half years which is which is kind of crazy uh, you mentioned him coming up on James Krause uh, organization he he's he fought some cans um, he hasn't shown anything on the feet but in fairness he hasn't shown that he's bad on the feet either. He's just, he's an NCAA NAIA champion. Uh, oh, no, I, I think, no, actually, I think he was a finalist. I'm sorry. I don't think he won. Uh, he's, but he's gone on after that and, and competed in some pretty high freestyling and Greco Roman competitions. He's got some good entries. He advances position on the ground, good power. I, I like that he gets on the hips and just picks up his opponent, slams him, hard ground and pound. He has a submission throw. He gets himself. Cardio is. Uh, not an issue, but but a question mark as he's he's never been on the first round. He he finishes everyone fast. Uh, I even looked at his like amateur career, and he's he's got all wins in the first round. So, uh, Marshall, what you said? How much is a favorite, Marshall? Minus one seventy five. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I I, I expected maybe about a little bit a little bit slightly bigger, but. Uh, he is the favorite. He's he's got more experience, definitely more high level experience. He he showed some promise in the UFC. Uh, he's more well rounded. Uh, Dolgarin, he he's a better athlete. Um, he's he's a huge unknown, uh, and it's it's hard to have a lot of faith in a pick in him. But I'm gonna do something I, I normally don't do. I'm gonna bet on the wrestling. Well, I, I do bet on the wrestling pedigree a lot, <laughs> but I'm gonna bet on his wrestling pedigree and and, and say he gets some takedowns. I say he lands some hard shots on top. I'm gonna say Dalgarian gets the second round, but he wins by TKO from ground and pound. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on the unknown a little bit and and have a little fun and take him. You know what? I'm actually with you on this one. I <clears throat> uh, I like. Bank. That's it. This is your guarantee winner. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not this particular show. But uh, generally speaking, if Keith and I both independently come up with uh, the same upset pick. Eh, you know, like our, we we tend to do pretty well on them here. Yeah, I. Dolgarians had a long layoff since his last fight. It's going to be almost eighteen months since he last fought. He's just twenty seven years old. Uh, as you are fond of pointing out, he's in a phase where a fighter, you know, with the right camp, right attitude, right motivation, can make huge strides in a relatively short amount of time. Uh, and I mean, obviously Marshall is very young as well. He's even younger, but he's also been busier. Like I, I if either of these guys really surprises us, I expect it'll be Dolgarian. And yeah, uh, thus far, we haven't seen much of his striking on the feet because we haven't had to. I think there's going to be another one like that. Uh, give me Dolgarian to lean on his wrestling, get Marshall down. Maybe we see Marshall spending a little too much time on his back, conceding that position and getting chipped away at and losing rounds that way. But give me Dolgarian by decision here. Dude, I just looked. Francis Marshall is out of this fight. You're kidding me. No. What's that? Is that Billy Quarantillo's music? <laughs> no, what? I'm just kidding. I am kidding. 
it's Max Holloway. Oh my God, it's Max Holloway. Oh, oh, oof. oh, oh, man. Yikes. Oh, that, 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 you know what? That, that'd be the dopest idea. I got to start my own organization just to do shit like that. <laughs> What's that? Fight Circus. That's something for the Fight Circus. Next up are the lightweights as Terrence McKinney steps in on just a week's notice to take on Mike Breeden. McKinney, the 28-year-old Washington State native, is 13-6 and six overall. He is 3-3 three and three since joining the UFC as a veteran of the third season of Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, he competed on the Contender Series, lost to Sean Woodson, went back and won a number of fights in regional organizations, including LFA, finally made his debut uh, just about two years ago, and since then, again, has gone 3-3. Three and three. He's on a two-fight losing streak, however, uh, both of them within the distance. He got knocked out in the second round by Ismail Bonfim back in January, came back uh, and took on Nazim Sadikov back in July and got choked out in the second round. He is coming in here for Lando Venata on short notice, trying once again to, to stop the bleeding. Uh, he has to get past Breeden. 34-year-old Missouri native is 10-5 and overall. He is 0-2 in the UFC. Uh, he appeared on the Contender Series back in 2020. He lost there. He got signed in 2021 like Seemingly half the people from Glory MMA and Fitness did, but uh, it has not been smooth sailing for him in the UFC as he got knocked out by Alexander Hernandez in his debut, then was on the wrong end of a one-sided decision against Natan Levy in his second appearance. And that was all the way back in April of 2022. So it is well over a year since we've seen him in the cage. He thought he was getting Lando Venata. Now he's getting Terrence McKinney and he is a substantial underdog. McKinney is minus 300, Breeden plus 240. Uh, there's every chance that Mike Breeden is fighting for his job here, Keith. He's yeah. 0-2 in the UFC. He lost on the Contender Series. The guys he's lost to in the UFC are solid but not great. Does he get it done here, or is he is he making <laughs> our cut list? Yeah, poor guy. Uh, man. <laughs> oh shit! Guy thought he was getting the honky talk man. Instead, the Undertaker music came out. Like, <laughs> like Christ. Um, uh, yeah. This is uh, Terrence McKinney. He's he's a southpaw with. He's a very explosive fighter. I mean, that's that's the best way to summarize him. Um, quick hands. He hits hard. Uh, he's a very fast starter. I mean, he he come out. He's looking to knock you. You block off serious KO power. Uh, I mentioned this before. Even when he loses, he almost starts a guy like Drew Dober, who's which is obviously been incredible win for him. Uh, some negatives. He does try to get that like huge KO every time he goes out there. Uh, he really can overstand on his shots. He can make the mistake of of throwing shots from his hips and leaving them open to counters. Um, and that's because he kind of fights like a berserker. Uh, he needs to get the stoppage because he tends to fold as the fight goes deeper on. That's one thing we talked about well, last time he fought. He tends to check out after the first round. He's, I hate saying this, but he seems like a front runner where it, it, it starts to get hard and, and, and then he checks out. Now, some other things he does good. He's got some good push kicks, uh, a lot of high kicks. I mean, he brutalized Eric Gonzalez in the clinch uh, with shots. He's a, he's a junior college wrestling All-American, really fast entries, turns the corner well, looks to advance position on the ground, hard ground and pound, has seven subs. 
quickly submitted Eric Gonzalez. Uh, he, but though he he tends to gas out, I mean, even against Drew Dober, he was gassing late in the first round. And a big question besides, you know, um, whether he checks out when things aren't going his way is is his durability. I mean, Sean Woodson knocked him out. Drew Dober knocked him out. Is Boban Fimel knocked him out. Um, and he also overreacts to getting hit. Like one thing I've seen him, like he, he, he doesn't, doesn't seem like he handles the shots well. Now, Breeden... Brady's a pretty tactical striker. He, that's how he wants to work. Good output. Uses feints well to set up his shots. Pretty quick hands. Uh, I like his step in. I like that he steps in and like whips an overhand uh, around his opponent's guard. Uh, he will rip the body. Good kicking game. Uh, I, I I like his his high kick. He also goes down to the calves. He wants to work from range because he doesn't like being pressured. Now he can wrestle a little bit, but his defensive wrestling is bad. I mean, Anthony Romero took him down twice in the contender series. Natan Levy took him down nine times in that fight, which is which is concerning. Um, I'm also also concerned about his durability. Alex Hernandez starts them. The, the longer this fight goes, the more I like Breeden. Unfortunately for him, I don't think it lasts very long. I, I say Breeden's chin gets checked really early. I think McKinney um, gets people buzzing about him again. I think McKinney, on short notice, like a week's notice, knocks him out in the first round. Uh, McKinney by TKO. First round TKO. Yeah, I th- I am completely on board with with your assessment of McKinney. The good as well as the bad. Obviously, he is lightning. He is about as quick strike a finisher as the UFC has on the feet as well as on the ground. But if he doesn't get it, the wheels fall off shockingly fast. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of of other fighters where it's that extreme a thing. Phil Baroni. No, okay. You know what? I was having to go back into like pre 2010. My, my thoughts would be like Phil Baroni or like early Frank Mir, where if the fight's not over in two minutes, you know, the guy's in trouble. It's not even like round two or middle of the fight. It's like, if this is not over in two minutes, this guy's in trouble. Yeah. Uh, Gilbert Burns brother. If he doesn't submit you right away. Yeah. Her- Herbert, Herbert Burns. Burns. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, he's going to lose and Gilbert's going to be carrying him across the threshold, you know, like a blushing bride, uh, like 10 minutes later. That That's really what you got here. Uh, just to put a little backup to the assessment you put out there about McKinney. This is his 20th pro fight. He has been past the first round four times. He is one and three. And the one he won was like his fourth or fifth fight. In the last, you know, in the part of his career that's relevant to who he now, every time he's gone past the first round, he's lost badly in the second. <laughs> he should have fought a James Krause organization a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we'd just be like, we don't know what it looks like when he goes past the first round. <laughs> uh, yeah, like the, the, the book on how to beat Terrence McKinney is definitely out there. It's survive. If you can make it six minutes, you've got this guy. It kind of boils down to whether Breeden can do that. I mean, he is a composed enough striker on the feet that I could see him being able to weather McKinney's ridiculous speed and power advantages over him. And I mean, I don't think he's a great wrestler, but he's a disciplined enough fighter that like I could see him not making a mistake in transition is getting choked out in the first 45 seconds of the fight, like the the first collision they have. But he's really going to have to he'd really have to walk a tightrope at least for the first round of this fight. McKinney. I don't like this as a move for him. 
he's lost three of his last four, and in at least one of the others, he stepped up on short notice as well. He's gotten knocked out a couple of times in the the last year or two. I, it's not just that I think the wheels are gonna fall off McKinney. I think they've already kind of fallen off, and just it's kind of like the momentum of the the skateboard or the wagon or whatever. It's still skidding down the hill and kicking up sparks and stuff. But for a fighter as young as McKinney is, I, I feel like he already is what he is, and it might start to get ugly quick. But I do think he has enough left in the tank to get by Breeden as well. So give me McKinney. I'm going to say first round knockout as well, but if this goes past the first round, Breeden's probably got this. Next up, it is time for the Bantamweights as Marcus McGee had been scheduled to take on Gaston Bolaños. Bolaños drops out and insteps JP Bays for one more shot at kind of redeeming his UFC run. Bays, the 27-year-old from South Africa, is 9-5 and overall. He is 0-3 since joining the UFC out of uh, the fourth season of Dana White's Contender Series. He has losses to Bruno Silva, Montel Jackson, and Cody Durden. The most recent of those, the Durden fight, was a first-round TKO back at the Sarukian versus Gamrot card last June. So he is almost certainly in the last fight of his Contender Series deal. He is almost certainly fighting for his continued employment in the UFC. He is certainly fighting to get some semblance of redemption out of what has been a, a year and change of unmitigated L's in and out of the cage for this poor guy. Uh, that We'll just leave it at that. And uh, he's going to have to try to do it against McGee. 33-year-old Arizona native is 7-1 and one overall. He's 1-0 in the UFC. Uh, he made his debut in April at the UFC on ESPN Song versus Simone card. Stepped in, I believe it was uh, on like, two weeks notice fought journey Newsom at 140 pound catch weight and choked him out in the second round. So uh, he was a bit of a pleasant surprise. He's going to look to keep it going here against the former flyweight bays. And he is a overwhelming favorite McGee minus three fifty, bays plus two seventy five. I Keith, I, I don't know how much JP bays has for this guy. Just, he won his way into the UFC by choking my little buddy, Jacob Silva, all the way out uh, on the contender series. There are a couple things to that one. I mean, Jacob Silva is a good regional fighter. Who's really scrappy and fun to watch. But if there was a men's straw weight division in the UFC, he'd, he'd slot right into it. He is a tiny flyweight. Yeah. Where's he from? Houston. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but since transitioning to the UFC, he's just he, he's just had nothing. He's had one of the most futile runs I can think of because all the guys he's fought are pretty good. Like in in fairness to him, Bruno Silva, Montel Jackson, and Cody Durden are all guys who could be top fifteen guys yeah. a, a year from now. Yeah. But having said that, what is supposed to make his motor run the wrestling? Like he's a former. South African national team member, former champion. He's not a good wrestler in MMA. He can't take people down reliably. Anyone who wants to can take him down. He, by the eyeball test, is a decent size, decently built flyweight, but he's gotten bullied by everyone. And again, Montel Jackson and Cody Durden in particular are big dudes for the division. But that's just meant that Baze is either getting thrown onto his back or he's stuck on the feet. And stuck on the feet he's gotten plunked 
like he just not he's not defensively good on the feet not good head movement uh doesn't always bring his hands back just everyone's hit him cleanly everyone's taking him down just whatever ufc fighters have wanted to do to jp bays has generally worked and talking about someone in mcgee who i think he has kind of a low ceiling but he's a pretty big uh bantamweight who hits pretty hard and is a free swinging guy i think he's just gonna clock base uh, if, if Bayes tries to test his luck on the feet, he's going to get clocked. If Bayes tries to take him down, I think he's going to fail and get clocked. I, it's just as simple as that to me. Give me Marcus McGee by second round TKO here. And after Bayes is probably like 0 for 5 on takedown attempts. Yeah, um, I'm rooting for JP Bayes. Uh, I mean, I know there's two sides of every story, but it's, it's always it's always tough when you see someone go through personal stuff. Um, he's a wrestle boxer. He's he, he likes to throw down in the pocket, throws throw some heat, uh, you know. He has um, a good high kick, but his biggest issue is his lack of defense, particularly he lacks head movement. Uh, he, he drops his hands, keeps his chin high in the air, and, and durability is a major floor. I mean, he's been knocked out three fights in a row. Uh, yeah, to his credit, he, he has faced three studs. I mean, especially like you take like his last fight against – Cody Durden, I mean, that that lost his age really well. I mean, Cody Durden is doing great. And, and, and obviously, he was too small for Montel Jackson and, and, and stuff. But just, just you know, just a little thing to think about. But he doesn't check kicks at all. Now, he's a decorated wrestler, you know, um, competing on the international scene. You'd think he'd be really good. Um, he has like the technique. He's got some fast entries, good at winning scrambles. But like you mentioned, he's been taken down by lesser wrestlers than he should. Um, like Bo Nickel's not getting taken down by the <laughs> lesser wrestlers. Like why is he? Uh, he's got a good top game, good ground and pound if he gets there. But cardio has been an issue. He also he's gassed out in the past. Now Marcus McGee, all his wins are by stoppage. He's a southpaw who's very aggressive, explosive, kickboxer, almost like a taekwondo style to him. Where he like he likes to like throw out that like. Weak flick kick in the, in the front leg. Well, pressure strike. He, he presses the action. Moves moves pretty well. He can land while backing up. Good boxing. Uh, I like his head movement. I like his straight left. Uh, good body kicks. Got a quick high kick. He does love spinning attacks. Stepping knees. He's he's got good power. Obviously, look at his record and his knockouts. Uh, one thing I don't like is he almost he's so aggressive. He almost jumps into his opponents, which will set up a takedown for his opponent and something that that's probably. Uh, JP Bay's best avenue victory if he gets too aggressive and gets some takedowns at home down. But it, to his credit, he went against a you know not the level of JP Bay's, but a pretty good wrestler in Jordy Newsom, and, and he either stuffed the takedown or immediately was scramble and Granby rolling and stuff getting to his feet. I I hate picking against high level wrestlers, but Bay's is is probably too small for the division. Uh, even worse, I, I just I don't trust his chin. I, I think he I think he might get a takedown or two, but McGee does enough to get to his feet, and eventually, as JP Bay slows down, he gets blasted. I agree with you. I'm going to go second-round TKO for uh, McGee. Next up at UFC on ESPN 51, and at least as the card is currently constituted, the main card opener is a middleweight matchup between Josh Fremd and Jamie Pickett. Fremd, the 29-year-old Pennsylvanian, is 10-4 and four overall. He is 1-2 and two 
since joining the UFC as a standout in multiple regional promotions, including and especially LFA. He had losses back-to-back to kick off his UFC run, but redeemed all of that back in March by choking out Cedricus Dumas in the second round at UFC Fight Night, Jan versus Dwalishvili. With all that good karma in his pocket, he will try to even up his UFC record against Pickett, who has no hope of doing the same. 34-year-old North Carolina native is 13-9 and overall. He is 2-5 and in the UFC, uh, and he only joined the UFC after his third try on the Contender Series. Uh, it's been a long road to get there and it's been an ugly road since he's been in the UFC, but nonetheless, he's still around and he comes into this fight on a three fight losing streak all inside the distance against Kyle Dawkins, Dennis Tulelan, and of course, Bo nickel. The most recent of those, the nickel fight was back at UFC 285 in March odds here, heavily favor friend. He is minus three ten. Pickett is plus two fifty. Uh, Keith, I feel as though we've established at this point that Jamie Pickett is not UFC material. Uh, I mean, he has some decent offensive weapons. He is, you know, good size for the division, a decent athlete, but it just, none of it's really come together. Uh, people who've wanted to wrestle him have been able to wrestle him. People who've wanted to box him have been able to box. In fact, I mean, it's kind of the unholy Trinity in his last three fights. Kyle Dawkins choked him out easily. Dennis Tuliulin busted him up on the feet and Bo Nickel. I mean, we were having, (laughs) I was just saying we we were, you were, we were having to like nitpick for things to make it less of a complete (laughs) washing than it was. I saw some guy who was after Bo Nickel's last win was saying like, Oh, Jamie Pickett was stopping his takedowns. Like, wait, shut up. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure Bo Nickel would have a hard time taking down Jamie Pickett. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> if you watch wrestling, you realize that making someone chain to like their second, you know, step yeah. in, is is not stopping the takedown. It's delaying the takedown. Like yeah. maybe pick it yeah. temporarily delayed the takedown, but that's it. Like it's like it, you know, it's like it was like a like a foul ball for like a a pitcher. Like oh, he, you know, oh, he hit him. Like no, no, he didn't. <laughs> like, yeah, foul tip. All right, cool. Yeah, like and people who say that about a foul tip are people generally looking for any glimmer of, yeah. you know, Oh, you're different. on it. You're on it. You're on the fastball. You got it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so, I mean, against friend, I, who I think is, I don't think he's a future contender at 185, but I, I do think he's a guy who belongs. And I think he's a guy that even at 29 still feels like he's improving from fight to fight. Uh, I mean, just all the variables to me favor a friend. A uh, friend is a pretty good offensive wrestler. He's pro- problems on defense, but he's a pretty good offensive wrestler. If he wants to get pick it down, I, I expect he will. And even if he can't get him down, friend is good at kind of using his long limbs to put people in trouble in transition, like grabbing the neck from unexpected angles, uh, like moving to take the back, uh, stuff like that. On the feet, I think he can at least outland Pickett. He doesn't hit with a ton of power, but uh, you know he's usually willing to throw volume, and I think he's a little better defensively than Pickett. I just think he's a little better everywhere. This might not be quite the steamrolling that Pickett has gotten from his last few opponents, but I just expect that Fremd wins all three rounds without too much suspense here. Uh, give me Fremd by, by unanimous decision. Yeah, this... Um... 
Jamie Pickett, I mean, he, he's he's a poor athlete who he tries to fight tactical. Uh, he wants to be a distance fighter uh, that he fights out of both stances. His hand speed is is decent. Like his hand speed's okay, and and he has good volume. He wants to be like an out boxer, but he hates pressure. I mean, go back to like Tatulian fight where Tatulian uh, was hurting him with his pressure, hurt him to the body. Uh, Pickett has plus power. I mean, you look at him, he's a built guy. He's got some power, and he's a okay offensive wrestler. He can chain wrestle a little bit together, but is and if he gets on top, he's got okay ground and pound. Uh, he's got weak takedown defense. Um, he struggles to get back up to his feet. He isn't much of a submission threat. And then he was subbed by an extremely inexperienced Bo Nickel in his last fight. He he is he should be a guy that fought on the contender series but never gets a contract. Like if you beat Jamie Pickett, okay, welcome to the UFC. But if you don't, like okay, well, it's not Jamie. I'm giving you the contract. Like, all right, see you next season. You know, um, Josh Frem, he, he's big for the weight class. That's one thing that really stands out to me about him. He, he's not a great athlete, but he's a pretty high output striker. He uses pressure well to beat his opponents. Uh, he's also pretty technically good striking. He's got a busy jab, throws straight shots down the pipe. I really underrated his power. I mean, he showed power in his last fight. I'd like his check left hook. He has been cracked a lot due to his like, pressuring style. Uh, which is a little bit concerning. Uh, he throws good calf kicks, though he doesn't check kick kicks. Uh, he likes to close the distance. He uses sides to grind. He's got some. He got some wrestling. He got some entries. Uh, he has four submissions. Uh, I, I'm coming around on friend. Like friend was a guy to me. I thought was just a guy. You know, like UFC talent, but not, nothing special. But and I'm still like not saying, oh, this guy's going to be a ranked fighter or anything. But uh, I, I think. He's he's a tough out now. Like if you beat Josh Fram, like all right, you're pretty good. Uh, I think he's better than Pickett on the feet. I think he's better than. I think he's got a slight edge on Pickett on the ground. Uh, I give me give me friend to. I, I'll say I'll say Pickett makes to the distance. I'll say friend by decision. We stay in the middleweight division on the main card of UFC Vegas 78, and it is AJ Dobson versus Stefan and Chukwi. Dobson, the 31-year-old Ohio native, is 6-2 with one no contest overall. He is 0-2 since joining the UFC out of the fifth season of Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, fought twice last year, dropping unanimous decisions to Jacob Malkoon and Armin Petrosian. So uh, he's still looking for his first win in the UFC. He's going to try to get it against Nchukwi. The 28-year-old Cameroonian, by way of... Uh, Maryland is six and three overall. He's two and three since joining the UFC out of the fourth season of the contender series. He is on a two fight losing streak as well. Uh, he got knocked out in the third round by Azamat Mirzakhanov last March, came back last June at the Sarukian versus Gamrot fight night and got knocked out in like a minute by Carlos Olberg. So uh, two gentlemen very much in need of a win here. Uh, open question whether either of them is uh, UFC material. And Chukwi is a mild to moderate favorite to get it done. He is minus 140 or so. Dobson around plus 110 on most of your books. Keith, it uh, feels like it's been a, a rough month so far for strong style fight team. 
uh, Alexa Kamer, despite your hearty endorsement, did not get it done last week in Nashville. Uh, Dobson, I mean, you know, they're all just, you know, trying to keep the seat warm until Stipe Miocic makes his triumphant comeback against uh, John Jones later this year. But uh, in the meanwhile, does, does Dobson bring back a W to Cleveland? Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's, this is a tough one. This is one of the ones when I talked about on the, uh, early in the car when I said, I didn't do a lot of research. This is the one I, I if I did my proper research, this one I would dig into uh, a little bit more because I don't, I don't feel like I have a good read on either one of these guys. Uh, and Chukwu, he's, he's a short and stocky guy. Um, it's funny when I, when I read in Chukwu, uh, so I always write, all the guys' names and kind of get an idea of what order I wrote down in Chukwu. But this was a couple, uh, a couple of days ago. And then I was going through the card. I thought it was Kenny. And I'm like, wait, it can't be Kennedy. Like I was all, <laughs> I was all, um, yeah, I, I, I forgot about the guy. <laughs> like, um, so he's athletic. Uh, he, he likes to get in the pocket and unload some, some big shots. He does a lot of haymakers. Uh, he mm-hmm. tends to throw everything hard. He has serious power. I mean, you look at the guy, the guy's, he's, he's like, testosterone through his whole body like like you know he, he could be on the cover of a like workout magazine or something uh i i love i love his his stupid spinning attacks that he does not not that they're effective but just seeing a guy like that body shape and just doing it it's, it's fun uh he'll he'll throw he'll throw some high high kicks uh which is surprising that he, they didn't get up there that fast and i mean he got knocked out on the contender series uh with what was it was it a high kick yeah right mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay yeah uh, I thought so. yeah uh he, he can bat on the clinch uh land some hard power inside the clinch does well to frame and land small shots he showed some offensive wrestling against mike rodriguez took him down three towns but he's a weak defensive wrestler but due to his like size and strength he's he is hard to hold down but two things I'm, I, that's concerned me coming this fight his last fight he was he was knocked out by carlos olberg and that doesn't concern me because I think I think Oldberg's good, especially in the striking. But I'm I'm worried about his chin a little bit, but more worried if he'll be a little bit gun shy, you know, being when, you know when he get knocked out. Uh, Dobson, he's he's a he's a wrestle boxer, usually good output, but that wasn't the case against Armin Petrosian. Like he was he was gun shy. Uh, usually he can be kind of wild, throwing hard shots. He loves that like overhand right, very Chuck Liddell style punch. He's been rocked because he because of his aggression and wild style. So I wonder maybe that's why he pumped on the brakes his last fight. Uh, he keeps his chin high in the air, open to be blasted. But he's got pretty good vision to block the shots coming at him. So uh, he he also doesn't like being pressured, and he looked like he mentally broke against a guy like Jacob Malkoon. Now I think Jacob Malkoon is a guy that kind of grew on both of us, so I don't think that loss looks too bad. Uh, he can grind in the clinch. He's an above average wrestler. But I was surprised that he can like he didn't throw a lot of punches against Armin Petrosian. Then he also like completely abandoned his wrestling against Petrosian, which didn't make a lot of sense to me. He's got a few subs. I I, I don't have a feeling on this fight at all. Like I have no idea. Uh, this uh, I'm not high on either guy. If Dobson wrestles, I think he wins. Uh, I I also trust his cardio a little bit more, but that chin could be an issue. I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to go Dobson secures a takedown, too, and, and wins. A, you know, maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Give me, no, give me. 
I don't know. Give me Dawson, I guess. Give me Dawson by split decision. All right. Well, pencil it in once again. Sheldon and Duffy show sharps because this one's unanimous. Uh, I. It's hard for me to really get behind either of these guys, really for all the, the reasons you mentioned. And if Anchukwi lamps Dobson with a spinning back fist in the first 45 seconds, this pick is going to look extra, extra stupid. <laughs> but I think both of these guys are have a little bit of front runner mentality, or just at least if their first couple ideas don't work, they start to get a little tired. It doesn't bring out the best in them, but I think that's going to be worse within Chukwi, who is dropping back down to 185 here. Like he clearly didn't like what he was getting from the likes of Olberg and Mirzakhanov at 205. He liked a lot better what he got from Jamie Pickett at 185. Uh, so he's dropping back down, and for a guy that's built like him, that's not going to do great things for his gas tank. Uh, so I'm, I might have leaned Dobson anyway, but here, yeah, like unless Chukwi catches Dobson early with something really nasty. I think Dobson will be the one that kind of starts rolling downhill on Nchukwe. And if, even if he can't get takes down takedowns early, he'll be able to get them later as Nchukwe gets tired. So give me Dobson by decision as well. Probably won't be the prettiest fight. Uh, but yeah, I, I say it makes it to the final bell. Dobson wins probably the second and third rounds uh, to, to get this one uh, in the bank. <laughs> you sound way more confident than I do in this pick. If I did, I wasn't meant to be because I, I don't have any idea, man. It's two guys that are under five hundred in the UFC on on a main card. Yeah. Next up on the UFC Vegas seventy eight main card is a strawweight matchup between Poliana Viana and Yasmin Lucindo. Viana, the thirty one year old Brazilian, is thirteen and five overall. She is four and four since joining the UFC as a former jungle fight strawweight champ. Uh, she's four and four, but it really is the story of two runs. Really, she went one and three in her first four. She is three and one in her last four, and she is coming off a win. Uh, it took her just forty seven seconds to knock out Jin Yu Fry back in November. Uh, that allowed her to bounce back from a unanimous decision loss to Tabitha Ricci last May. So Viana looking to make it two wins in a row against Lucindo. Lucindo, uh, one of the youngest fighters in the UFC, 21-year-old Brazilian, is 14-5 and five overall. She's 1-1 one and one since uh, joining the organization. She is coming in off a win. She took a unanimous decision over Brogan Walker at the Pavlovich versus Blades fight night in April. Odds here favor the younger woman. Lucindo is minus 180. Viana plus 155 uh, as the underdog. Uh, it's Going to be a matchup of contrasts here, Keith. It's a the kind of tall, slim, willowy grappler in Viana versus the short fire plug of a knockout artist in, in Lucindo. Uh, the the odds makers, or at least the betters who drive the odds makers to place the lines where they do, seem to see a lot of upside in uh, the younger woman in her power and in, in her aggression. I'm not sure I'm seeing it though. I feel like you and I are both picking a lot of upsets on this card, but uh, Poliana Viana, she has issues on the feet for a woman who's as, you know, tall and long limbed as she is. She has had trouble keeping short, aggressive fighters off of her. Like Tabitha Ricci was all over. Her. Although, I mean, Ricci's a bit of an exception. Yeah. Just, she's so athletic. She's so aggressive, but, uh, Ricci's a stud. Yeah. But 
uh, Cyphers and Aldrich were both visibly smaller than her and just had no trouble dictating that the stand-up take place at, at their preferred distance. Uh, but be honest, I mean, she's hittable, but she's been fairly durable. Uh, you know, she's been hard to hurt bad. She's recovered quickly. And she's, especially in this most recent run, been able to ensnare fighters who should know better into tangling with her on the ground and on the ground she really is a quick strike artist like emily whitmire and mallory martin in back-to-back -back fights really didn't even have to make a mistake like going to the ground at all was the mistake and then she just did what she wanted with them uh at her best she looks like one of the better submission grapplers uh in the ufc she isn't she hasn't always gotten the chance to show that but i think she's gonna get plenty of chances to show that here against uh lucindo like I know what I think Lucindo is going to do. I think she's going to come crashing forward behind punches uh, and she'll swing down in the pocket and then maybe look to clinch or, you know, look for opportunistic takedowns. If she starts landing on Vienna on the feet, I'm thinking Vienna can probably find a way to get the fight to the ground. If Lucindo makes the mistake of bringing it to the ground, I think she's just in trouble. So even though Lucindo is a moderate favorite here, give me Viana to win a decision here by having Lucindo in trouble on the ground enough times to win two out of three rounds here. Like she might get hurt a, a few times. She's probably going to, the, the punch strikes like the, the strike stats. If the UFC is calling them out in the third round are not going to look good. Like it'll be one of those fights where Viana maybe gets outlanded two to one, but there's no question that she's won two rounds out of three because she had Lucindo like basically like fighting for her life against arm bars or chokes. So uh, give me Viana by decision here in another upset. Yeah, it's funny because so we've we've said this before, but if this is your first time listening, you know, one thing I don't do, I don't look at the betting lines, but I kind of play this little game in my head before you say the betting. Sometimes I, I'm looking at my notes, so I'm, I, I don't catch exactly what you say, but sometimes when I'm really paying attention, uh, I'm, I'm surprised. And this is one of the ones I was surprised. And I understand that the betting line isn't always like how I'm going to pick. Like sometimes when I'm picking an upset, I, I already know, even though you haven't told me the odds that I'm probably picking an upset here. Uh I thought if you told me the line, I was would have guessed Viana based on the run she's on, um, and her grappling. I would I would have guessed that she was going to be like a negative, not not a huge favorite, but like a negative one forty favorite or something. Like I was mm -hmm. that one actually, um, if you, I probably made a face when you said it. I was, yeah. I was that one surprised me. Um, I should go back to the thing where I call out the line and make you guess like who's the underdog <laughs> and who's who's the uh, favorite. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll 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 have you guess which 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 fight is coming out next. Royal <laughs> Rumble style. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so Pollyanna. She, she used to be one-dimensional fighter. Like with her striking is 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 coming along. Uh, she likes to work from distance. She likes to throw. Like her last fight, she threw a lot of the same side attacks. Like, which is which is not the normal thing to do, but it works if you don't overuse it. If so, what I mean by like she'll throw like three right, like a combination of three hooks in a row, because usually you start, you know, you see the right hand, you're expecting the left hand, and all of a sudden it's like, nope, the right hand again and again. Uh, you know, it's it, it, something I actually like that fighters do. Uh, she loses power because she tends to arm punch a little bit and, and she kind of pulls her punches, like trying to avoid, but she might be fixing that because she shows she has some power when she starts Jinyu Fry in her last fight. So, uh, might say more about Ginny Fry than her, but you know we'll see in this fight. She doesn't check leg kicks, which is an issue, especially with those long legs, as you mentioned. Uh, she also keeps her chin high in the air. 
despite wanting to get the fight to ground, though, this is her biggest issue is she isn't a wrestler. Uh, she she would desperately dive at her opponent's hips, but she's not going to blast through your hips. Uh, she'd more like dive at your hips, get her hands around the back of leg, and then kind of pull into guard. Uh, she she doesn't have takedown defense, but I've said this before because she she, she wants to fight the ground. She can't if you take her down, um, which would be kind of a pretty silly strategy for Lucinda to take her down. Is that's her best position, especially on the ground? We've seen her on her back. I mean, she's a former BJJ world champion. Uh, she, you know, Veronica at that time is her now Hardy. She she quickly uh, um, I'm sorry quickly subbed her, uh, which I thought was a like a fluke, and I think that's been proven right when she's gotten Whitmire and Mallory Martin. And now those are low-level UFC talents, but still got it really quick. Uh, she can't get a submission in a scramble. She's she's also a, a big threat off of her back. You know, if, if, if she ends up there, she can get a sub. Though one mistake is because she's so comfortable, she'll, she'll tend to play BJJ, and you can't do that. Like you mentioned, against Tabitha Ritchie, you can't do that against like a good, solid, top-side grappler. Uh, she, one thing I also did, haven't liked about Viana is that she shows no urgency when she's losing a fight. Like I've seen her that like she she's still like so confident in grappling that she's not um, rushing things, when which is a good thing. But sometimes you have to rush. Uh, so if she gets on top, she has some pretty good ground power. Now I, I talk way too much about uh, Viana than I should. Lucindo, she's only twenty one. I said this before that she reminds me of like a, a young. Claudia Dea, and it's because she's she's aggressive. She's got these tight, hard boxing attacks with combination. There's a lot of powerful hooks. Uh, she likes spinning attacks, but I, I don't think it would be a good idea against like Viana. Uh, she has power though, and she's not even in her power agent. She has eight KOs. She's super durable. I mean, she hits a lot of shots from Jasmine Haragi and, and kept coming and coming forward and making it a fun fight. Uh, she can battle the Kinch. You mentioned she's a good wrestler. Um, Good, like top game, will advance position around, has some green ground pound. If she's on top, she's going to have to be punching instead of trying to play jujitsu and advancing. I, I definitely don't think that's the best avenue of victory for her, uh, though she does have two submission wins, but she's also been s- submitted in, in her career. There, there's some people believing in, in Vianna and, and not, I know you're just making prediction for this way, but there's, there's people that's like back. She had a little buzz when she first came to the UFC and then kind of stumbled. And 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 now that this that you mentioned her like second run, the second half of her UFC stint, um, this little bit of buzz coming back on her. But I actually am going to go with the odds maker on this one. I'm, I'm going to lean against her. I like Lucinda's youth, I like her stand up. She's going to have to avoid submissions. I, I, if I'm her corner, I'm, I'm having her not go to the ground at all. If she goes to the ground, uh, that'd be stupid. Um, no, she could still win. I want she could still win on the top, but um, I think it just increases Viana's chances. I'm still just not sold on Viana's stand up. I think I think she gets battered on the feet. I, I actually think um, she might hurt. She might drop her and then finish her with some ground and pound. I say Lucinda wins by second round uh, TKO from ground and pound. Which I know is ironic if they said don't go to the ground with her, but I mean more like a club and sub. I mean yeah. instead of a club and sub, like club and Continue to club on the ground. <laughs> a club and club. <laughs> club and yeah. club them all. Yeah. Well, it's more like it's more like uh, you know, yeah, yeah, you're hitting a you're hitting a hitting a nail in, and then you you know you got like the framing hammer, but you don't want to ruin it, so then you go change to like the the finish nail, you know, the finish hammer. You go to that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So you're gonna go go in the belt for like the little yeah the little tack yeah. thing. Right? Yeah, they go in the tack one. Yeah. <laughs>
third from the top at UFC on ESPN 51 is a light heavyweight matchup featuring longtime uh, fringe contender Khalil Roundtree against the uh, newest addition to the division, Chris Dawkins. Roundtree, the 33-year-old fighting out of Las Vegas, is 11-5 and with one no contest overall. He is 7-5 and with one no contest in the UFC, and he is on a three-fight win streak. He has TKO wins over Modestus Bukowskis and Carl Roberson, and then a, a very close contentious split decision win over Dustin Jacoby last October. He will look to make it four in a row and perhaps uh, grace the bottom of the light heavyweight top 10 against Dawkins, who is moving down to 205 pounds after a seven fight run at heavyweight. Uh, Dawkins, 33 year old Philadelphia native is 12 and six overall. He's four and three in the UFC. That's the good news. The bad news is that he won his first four and then lost his last three. Uh, he joined the UFC in 2020 quickly won four fights by first or second round TKO making himself very much in the vanguard of that youth movement that uh, came to the UFC around 2020 before running into top five talents and kind of seeing his ceiling against Derek Lewis, Curtis blades and Jairzinho Rosenstrike. The most recent of those, the Rosenstrike fight, just 23 seconds uh, for the Surinamese slugger to put him on his back. So uh, Dawkins sees the writing on the wall, moves down to 205. Uh, he had always been kind of a medium size heavyweight who looked like he could drop more pounds if he wanted to. And uh, here he's trying to do so. Uh, Roundtree is a comfortable favorite here. He is minus 210. Dawkins is plus 170. I, I understand why Dawkins is moving down to 205 pounds, Keith. I mean, one, because he's now had three chances to fight. Because <laughs> he got punched by Derek Lewis. <laughs> he got punched by Derek Lewis. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades were both top five fighters at the time. So all, yeah, sure. all Dawkins knew after that was, okay, I can't hang with top five fighters. Uh, but then against Rosenstrike, you know, a guy who's kind of on the lower reaches of the top ten, got plunked even faster. So I see why he's dropping the 205. He's like, it can't hurt. Cause I know if I lose one more at heavyweight, I'm probably gone. But yeah. I mean, we just talked about Tanner Bozer, who's kind of in the same boat, honestly, Bozer w became a guy of interest as a medium sized, surprisingly mobile, surprisingly well-conditioned heavyweight hit his ceiling and dropped the 205. I'm struggling to think which of Dawkins's standout skills at heavyweight will stand him in good stead at light heavyweight because at heavyweight he was uh i thought one of one of the more technical boxers one of the guys that actually threw a jab with intentions built things off the jab like he had a nice one two just like his you know jab and his cross were nice uh and he was well conditioned he didn't have a ton of one shot power which is kind of ironic to say about a guy that knocked out his first three ufc opponents in the first round but it was always an accumulation of damage, even if it only took three minutes. You know, it was him getting hit once and coming back with five punches and just wearing down uh, worse fighters than himself. I mean, he had pretty good footwork. He was pretty well conditioned, pretty fast. But all that's going to kind of evaporate at, at 205. And unless he comes out and just decides to put on his Corey Sandhagen hat and try to wrestle Khalil Roundtree immediately, 
I think Roundtree's a bad person to try this against because Roundtree's going to come out and test the things that Dawkins never did well, even at heavyweight. Roundtree's going to kick the shit out of his legs. Uh, Roundtree, when he decides to let his hands go, his hands are going to be much faster than Dawkins's. Uh, if Dawkins shoots takedowns on Roundtree and can get on in on his hips, it's anyone's guess how things go. But if he just tries to mash Roundtree against the fence and wear on him and get takedowns that way, I don't think it's going to go well for him. Uh, Roundtree is just so strong in those situations. I think he'll just do the crow cop, get two underhooks and shuck the guy off and like try to punch him on his way back in type thing. So I think this is a bad matchup for Dawkins. Feel bad. You know, I've, I've kind of liked seeing him do well, but uh, I think the misery continues for Dawkins here. Give me Roundtree to win this by second round TKO. And I'm going to say that Dawkins has gotten pieced up on the feet. His lead leg is hamburger and he's probably like 0 for 2 on takedown attempts by then. And he, he didn't start trying until it was too late. Yeah, the uh, just, just I want to keep you in the times there, Ben, because you kind of age yourself saying the double underhooks, throwing him off as a crow cup. Uh, we call that the Jamie Pickett after what he did to Bo Nichols takedowns. That's how easily he just tossed it off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he stopped that take. <laughs> um, I just, I just want to point out that uh, Chris Dawkins had a much better record in the UFC when he was a police officer than after. <laughs> so. Uh, I do have a rule that I will not predict against police officer to lose. Uh, he's no longer uh, officially a police officer, so I can't but, pick against him. Uh, but I mean, depending on th- how things go Saturday, Philly <laughs> might have him. Philly's finest might have him back soon. Yeah, you know, I hope he has. I hope he's stipend in or something. Like, <laughs> I mean, hope he lose his seniority. Like, jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think my department's hiring. Uh, Chris Darkus, you know. I think you nailed that perfectly. Like he he's looked terrible lately, and I don't think moving down to two hundred five will, will help what his issues are. Uh, at heavyweight, he was the better athlete than most. He was faster. He, he was more tactical. You mentioned that's not going to be the case at two two hundred five, especially the tactical part. Um, he does have pretty fast hands. It'd be a little bit slower at two hundred five, like you know, compare comparatively. It'd probably be faster, you know, losing his weight. But I mean, like. In competition, you know, compared to the other guys in the division, uh, he has some pop. I mean, he he knocked, you know, four guys out in the UFC in the first round, so that's something to uh, be excited about. But I wonder if the power will be zapped with the wake up. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, n- not much of a kicking game. Never really has. Stand straight up. Um, he kind of makes himself a big target. He can get close distance and battle in the clinch and dirty box a little bit. He can wrestle a little bit, but it's, it's kind of rare for him to try to take the fight to the ground, but he's, he's actually a decent grappler. Uh, he's a BJJ black belt, but you know what? When a guy gets knocked out as many times as he did, you know, you wonder if his chin's gone, but then you just think back. It's like, no, he got blasted by Curtis blades, Derek Lewis, Jersey, like three historically hard hitters. I mean, it's all me, especially Rosa Strike and, and, and Lewis, but uh, I, I think we both talked about that Curtis Blades doesn't get enough credit for how hard uh, he hit, especially recently. Uh, Cleo Roundtree, he, he's a southpaw. That, you know, we kind of know what we get with him. Uh, you know, he, he moves well. He's explosive, quick hands, nice power, uh, throws some of the, like, scariest power shots. I mean, he Cleo Roundtree, if he, if he was a baseball player, he's swinging for the fences. Like, he's not – He's not sacrificed by an. That's it. He's not. He's 
Coach gives on the bunt side. He's going yard, you know. Um, but recently, he's been a little more controlled. He's been measuring guys up to land shots. And we go back to like Justin Jacoby. He was much more controlled in that fight. Some of the best kicks uh, to the calves, but also to the body, uh, crushing kicks to the body. I mean, I know it was when his opponent was down, but going back to like tough when he jumped up and kicked the guy in the ribs is still one of the scariest things uh, I've ever seen. Uh, but he's like two faced. He's got two sides to him. He's striking is mean, but he's one of the worst defensive wrestlers. He won't go for taking himself, and he's one of the worst defensive wrestlers in in, in the UFC. Make it worse is you know he struggles to get back up. I go back to like Ian Quetzalaba took him down, smash him with elbows. If Dawkins is smart, he holds the distance and turns into a wrestling match. Even if he has a battle in the clinch where where Khalil Ranchi's not too bad. I I just I don't think he does. I think he I think he tries to kickbox with him or you know box with him and I think Roger kicks his legs out. I think it I think he keeps kicking the legs out and then eventually he goes up to the body and flattens him with a body kick. Give me Roundtree by second round TKO. The co main event of UFC Vegas seventy eight is a featherweight matchup between Cub Swanson and Hakeem Dawadu. Swanson, the 39-year-old Southern Californian, is 28 and 13 overall. He's 13 and 9 in the UFC, or if you in, if you include his WEC run, he's 17 and 12 across both promotions. He's coming in off of a loss. Uh, he got his legs kicked out from under him by Jonathan Martinez last October in what was Swanson's bantamweight debut. He decided to try to shake things up as he approached the age of 40. It didn't go the way he liked, so he's back up at 145, uh, trying to get things back on track against Dawadu. The 32-year-old Canadian of Nigerian descent is 13-3-1 overall. He is 6-3 since joining the UFC as one of the standouts from the pre-PFL uh, World Series of Fighting. He is coming in off a loss. Uh, he dropped a unanimous decision to Julian Arosa at UFC 279 last September. Uh, prior to that, he had a unanimous decision win over Mike Trezano last February. So Dawadu also looking to get back in the win column here. He is strongly favored to do so. He is minus 240, Swanson plus 200. Keith, what at age 39... And, you know, going to turn 40 in just like three months here with 40 plus fights behind him, including, you know, some all time memorable fights with some all time grades. Yeah. What does Cub Swanson do well in the middle of 2023? Like what's he got left and how does it work against Davido? Yeah. <laughs> Real quick before we, I'll answer that question in a second. Um, how, think about this for a second. Like what is up with the VOC matchmaking and the placement? So Hakeem Dawadu loses on the prelims to Julian Rosa and his next match is co-main event against bigger name Cub Swanson. You know, I guess technically UFC Hall of Famer. I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't consider the people that win, you know, their fight is in as a UFC Hall of Famer, you know, as individual, individual, but still like whatever. A lot of people call him UFC Hall of Famer. Sure. Uh, it just seems backwards. <laughs> it you know, very much does. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, um, what is Swanson? Do good. Uh, I think he still moves well. Uh, he, he hasn't lost his athleticism. You know, he lost a little bit. Of, obviously, he's, he's lost a step. But, I mean, he's he's still he's still a good athlete. Um, he's a striker. 
Uh, he's got good volume. He, he he's always cut angles well and kind of stayed off the center line. He, he kind of um, has a little like that. Not, and I'm not trying to compare it to, but I'm just saying like something like a little bit of like a Steven Thompson uh, thing where like they strike on a weirder angle kind of coming off. Uh, but he, he relied like Steven Thompson, he relies solely on head movement. Um, that's because he kind of drops his hands. I love that he focuses to the body too. Like that's something he still does well. Uh, I, he's got still got a little bit of old man power. I'd say like plus power. But he attracts a war, and he usually does well. Like it is prime, he did well in those conditions. You know, being just a tougher guy, like I'll land one, and you know, I'm I. He the pressure doesn't can't do him, but he's taken so much damage over the years. He's had obviously a long career. It's being being thirty nine and in this many fights in the UFC and in the WEC and stuff. It's just you're fighting. I mean, he's been fighting studs for. What ten years now, straight or something like that? Um, um, more like fifteen, man. Jeez, oh, alright, so the fifteen years. Yeah, I said something like when like someone's mentions nineteen ninety, and I'm like, oh yeah, that was. The, oh. I mean, the the Aldo fight was over fourteen years ago. Yeah, there you go. It's but like someone mentions like nineteen ninety five to me, and I'm like, yeah, it was like like ten years ago, like you know, <laughs> twenty eight years ago. <laughs> you know, um, uh. He's he's a weak offensive and defense. Really. He's never been a guy that you know is going to win with his wrestling. Uh, more of a guy that kind of can react to scrambles, but he, he isn't a wrestler. So yeah, he's been out wrestled by the the better wrestlers in the division. Hakeem Dawadu, he he's a technical boxer behind a high guard defense, but he can be like low output, very trigger shy. He gets he he can start slow to kind of set some traps, but be, I've said this before about him because of that. He's given away rounds because of his low output in 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 a technical kickboxing match that he's that he's somebody he's better than. Um, he sets up his attacks by feinting and forcing his opponents to either like freeze or, or pull their attacks. He has some of the best calf kicks in the game, uh, but he doesn't check calf kicks himself. Uh, weak takedown defense. He he's been taken down over and over again. Uh, I mean, he got taken down nine times by most of our FOF, but uh, Julian Arosa. Is is a guy that was uh, was able to take him down. Do you remember the other day when I was I was mixing up um, Damian Jackson? I was like, oh, I was thinking Julian Rosa was the other guy I was thinking. Oh, of. okay. I, I added to the wrong team. I had him on the wrong team, but Julian Rosa was the guy, uh, like because uh, that like wins with pressure kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing about Hakeem Dawood, he like I've, he doesn't have a plan B, and he keeps going the same well if if things aren't going wrong. Like he might be a little bit of a front runner too, and, and I've seen him like no urgency when he's losing, like uh, the, the pick up the pace and, and you know start throwing some power shots. Still like calf kick and a work behind a jab. I, I, I think Swanson is probably faded. I mean, I, I think he is faded, but you know, is he shot? I, I don't know if he's shot. Dawoodu is not the guy. Like I'm not high on him. At all anymore. I was never the highest on him, but you know, I saw potential. But I'm, I'm not high on him anymore. It, if Swanson, you know, Julian Rosa like added a lot of wrestling. But if he if if Swanson takes the Julian Rosa path of like I'm gonna pressure this guy and beat him with volume, he could do that. It's crazy as that sounds, and you know, I just I can't trust picking. Cub Swanson in 2023. So I'm going to chicken out. I'm going to say Dawood kicks his legs. 
uh, maybe drops him with a leg kick or something like that and just kind of outpoints him and, and brutalizes Swanson. Uh, give me give me do by decision. I feel a lot of the same things you do about this one. It's interesting to me. I, I mean, early on when we started doing the show together, the first couple of uh, Derek Lewis fights that we uh, previewed, I would go on kind of like a, I don't know, 45 or 60 second rant about how the popular perception of uh, Derek Lewis is almost dead wrong. Like almost yeah, everything. Always. Yeah. Uh, Swanson isn't quite the same, but I, I do think, and I, I'm thinking like just the casual, I watch UFCs a couple times a year type fan, you know, even if they're pretty old school, can sometimes like get uh, a little distorted view of Cub Swanson based really on that Jose Aldo fight, that eight second fight now 14 plus years ago. Because the funny thing is like it made Jose Aldo look like what he is, like one of the most explosive terrifyingly fast pound for pound athletes the sport has ever seen. But funny thing is Swanson might've been the only guy in the world at 145 pounds that was in the same realm athletically, like Cub Swanson in his prime. Oh yeah. He's a great winding, athlete. Like, fantastic athlete. And it would have been easy to come away from that thinking, Oh, well, you know, Cub Swanson is chinny, but 14 years later, that's still the last guy to really knock Cub Swanson out. Like people yeah. have finished him with body shots and like chopping sure. his legs out. But the last guy to put Cubs wants out by hitting him in the head is still Jose Aldo in 2009. Uh, the people that have beaten Cubs wants bad, at least until, you know, very recently when he's, he's really uh, aged are mostly people who were able to take him down and abuse him down there. Like his bad losses usually involve him getting out wrestled badly. And then maybe either out grappled or pounded like the Edgar fight, the Ortega fight uh, is lost to uh Chad Mendez back in the day. Uh, Swanson, like, I'm sure he has slowed a bit, but he started from such a place of kind of, you know, speed and fast twitch athleticism that I still think he has at least average athleticism and maybe even slightly plus athleticism for the weight class. But, you know, the the durability is going. Uh, the Even if he's still fast, like the reflexes and, and reactions are are going a little bit. And yet with all that, I still feel like, I mean, there's underdog value in them and you, we're not a betting show. I might personally, I'm not much of a better, but Dawood makes even his wins tougher than they need to be. And it's for the reason that Keith laid out. He doesn't throw enough volume to really put a stamp on rounds, even when he was in control the whole time. Like when, yeah. Uh, like Dawood is the kind of guy that you actually have to start thinking about like octagon control and aggression because he, he makes the, I mean, he's like a male Jin Yu Fry. Like yeah, he hasn't had his Jorge Masvidal, Bobby Green reality check moment. No, he really hasn't. That's that. And those are good comparisons as well. Maybe a little more flattering comparisons than calling him the male Jin Yu Fry, but <laughs> it's kind of like Fry where Fry's first, priority is being defensively sound not getting hurt not letting her opponent do what they want and then on top of that if she throws five strikes around yeah yeah we'll call it good uh Dawoodoo has a little bit of that to him and because of that even if he's better than Swanson the whole time you're going to get to the end and you're going to be like I scored this 30 27 Dawoodoo but if Swanson wins a split decision I'm not going to be that shocked it's going to be one of those fights uh it could turn on a dime if Dawoodoo starts chopping at Swanson's legs and Swanson isn't checking him 
and he's doing stuff like switching stances halfway through the first round, which is definitely possible. Uh, Swanson's last loss was by getting his legs sawed off. He's never been great about checking them. If Dawood decides to really lean into that, he could make this quick and ugly rather than slow and ugly. But my money's with slow and ugly. Give me Dawoodu by decision. That brings us to the main event of UFC on ESPN 51. It is a welterweight matchup between Vicente Luque and Rafael dos Anjos. Luque, the 31-year-old Brazilian, is 21-9-1 overall. He is 14-5 since joining the UFC out of the 21st season of The Ultimate Fighter. He is coming into this bout on a two-fight losing streak. He lost a unanimous decision to Bilal Muhammad last April in the headliner of UFC on ESPN 34. Came back in August and got knocked out in the third round by Jeff Neal at UFC on ESPN Santos versus Hill. That was almost exactly a year ago, and that is by design because uh, we would be remiss in not mentioning that Luque has just been cleared from a one-year medical suspension after the Neal fight because he had a hemorrhage in his brain. Uh, he's been cleared by doctors. He, you know, he's been booked in this fight, but yeah. Uh, yeah. He's been gone for almost exactly a year and that's why uh, he's going to look to get back on track and hopefully not bust anything loose up there against Dos Anjos. The 38 year old Brazilian is 32 and 14 overall. He is 20 and 12 in the UFC. He's uh, 16 and eight at lightweight, a run that saw him get all the way to the, title and win the title in one of the ah, more pleasantly surprising mid-career turnarounds in you know in UFC history after losing the lightweight title he moved up to welterweight where he is five and four and he is coming in off of a win he last appeared in December at UFC on ESPN Thompson versus Holland where he tapped out Brian Barberena in the second round so got one man looking to prove that uh, he can still be a factor in the welterweight title picture, looking to prove that he is physically sound enough to compete. And another man who, even as he approaches his 40th birthday, wants to keep the dream alive of winning gold in two different divisions. The favorite is minus 130. The underdog plus 110. Keith, who are they? Oh, man, this is tough. That brain hemorrhage thing is messing me up. Um Luque? Luque is a favorite? Your favorite is Rafael dos Anjos, minus oh. 130. Vicente Luque, plus 110. Uh, I think it'd be close. I think it'd be close to like pick. Yeah, yeah, it, it is close to pick him, and it, it might drift, you know, as we get close to the, the date. But Luque, everything I'm going to say about Luque is assuming that he is okay. You know? Yeah, what the fuck? Because... <laughs> And if you remember the like anyone who's watching this, if you remember the Neil fight, you're not that surprised that something busted loose inside because he took a hellacious beating from one of the heaviest handed guys in the division. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a third round knockout, but he took substantial punishment throughout. So, okay, assuming that at 31, he should still be in or near his prime at 170 pounds, assuming he is still in comparable shape competitively assuming that the year off has actually done him good you know because that obviously included a long period of no contact spar no contact no no hard sparring maybe some other you know maybe some other things were able to heal up as well every professional fighter has a half dozen nagging injuries 
which is why sometimes they'll come back from a year and a half off and look shockingly good. Assuming all those things are true, uh, Vicente Luque is maybe the best of the pack of those action fighter fringe contenders at welterweight. Welterweight's got a ton of them. Uh, you know, there's yeah. Luque, there's Nico Price. Maybe Randy Brown has passed Luque at this point, but, you know, Luque has the head-to-head win over him. I don't know if I put Randy, uh, Nico Price in that category. I have to get beat by Robbie Lola. Well, if you want to just say I mean, fun, fun guy to watch, sure. Watch. And, and he he was a fringe contender. Maybe he's falling okay. off now. You know, Alex Morono hangs around in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Like, but Luque, now that Santiago Ponzinibbio is definitely falling off, he might be the best of the bunch. What has stopped him from taking that next step up and becoming a legit title contender? Well, I mean, look at it. Look at his last three losses in the UFC because he's 14 and five in the UFC and his first two losses were really early. Like one of them was in the tough finale against uh, who is that asshole? Michael Graves. Um, but more recently, Steven Thompson, just a legendarily tough striker to handle. Thompson was, was in his absolute prime in 2019 and Luke, just got outclassed by a better fighter. Sure. Alal Muhammad out wrestled the shit out of Luke. And then Jeff Neal, yeah. uh, you know, better boxer, heavier handed guy. It was just Neil's night. Beyond that, Luke's looked really good. And Luke offensively is a, is a a very diverse fighter. You know, he's a good striker, hits hard, throws a good variety of strikes. He's not a great defensive wrestler, but uh, he's a good opportunistic grappler. When the fight hits the ground, Uh, he's good at grabbing stuff in transition. Um, I mean, he has, he's up there for the most, like Bravo choke finishes in UFC history. He's up there with, you know, like your Tony Ferguson and Kyle Dawkins up there the, as the guys with like four or more of them in the UFC. Uh, and his weaknesses have been kind of made manifest. The question to me is, does Rafael Dos Anjos do any of those things that have been proven like to be poison for Luque? And in particular, does he do them at 170 pounds at age 38? Like, when Dosan just kind of came out of the pack of just another Brazilian grinder and like won the lightweight title, all of a sudden he was super fast and hard hitting. He was a good wrestler and had a crushingly heavy top game. Yeah. I mean, he he suddenly became mini Glover to share for a minute. Yeah, that's a great comparison. Yeah. Uh, it didn't last long. And I mean, you can, yeah, plug in your reasons why, like I, I'm not going to just throw his persons out there, but for the most part, it hasn't carried over at 170 just because once you get past a certain point at 170, all the guys are bigger versions of Rafael Dos Anjos, like losing to Covington, Usman, Edwards. Uh, those were all guys that did to him what he normally does to other people. I, otherwise, he's actually had pretty good success at 170, but... I just I didn't get anything out of him bullying Brian Brian Barbarena around last year that gives me any clue as to how he's going to do against Vicente Luque. It's just uh, Dos Anjos is in a tough place just because he probably could have hung around as like a borderline you know kind of a ten through fifteen guy at welterweight forever and he basically has at this point, but given who's at the top of the division was just never going to break through. Oh no, 
Luke, Luke might actually be the best guy that Dos Anjos has this good a chance of beating. And I, and I'm not favoring him. I'm taking Luke in the slight upset in this fight. Just, uh, Dos Anjos was willing to shoot takedowns at 155 and was surprisingly good at it. He's primarily a clinch body lock trip and throw guy at 170 and at this age. And that's the hardest route to take Luke down. Uh, and he's nasty and makes people pay in close quarters when they try. And I think Luke will outstrike him if they strike at distance. I think this is just a rough matchup for Dos Anjos. He's still a tough guy to finish. I mean, it took Rafael Faziv over four rounds of just vicious beating to do it. People like Leon Edwards couldn't do it. So I'm going to say this goes to the final horn, but that it's kind of a drubbing by Luke and Dos Anjos is, Tired, beat up, cut up by the end of it. Uh, give me Luke to win a surprisingly one-sided decision here. And Dos Anjos is just kind of left looking like a guy without really a place to go for contention. Yeah. I, I'm just amazed when when you mentioned yours where, you know, Vicente Luque, they found a brain hemorrhage. He had to take a year off or 18 months, whatever it was. Like, no, shouldn't it be retired? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Uh, I'm sorry if you listen with children in the car or something, but uh, that just uh, that's scary. That's very scary. I mean, I, obviously, I'm not a doctor. I don't know any better or anything like that. But that just that just sounds like it should be career. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like it's worth it. But um, this uh, this this main event, it's yeah. I mean, what are they fighting for? The the you seem to be a little high. Not that I'm picking, give my prediction yet, but like Luke, you sound like you, you almost sound like he's still a little bit in his prime. You said he was 31, and I didn't look this up. If you gave me a guess how old Luke was, I would have said like 36 or something. Like, just because of, of all the damage he's taken over the years. Yeah. And, you know, RDA to be 39, you said he's turning 40 soon. No, he's thirty-eight. He'll be thirty-nine. Oh, sorry, it was Swanson. It was Swanson that was. Yeah. I was keeping. I couldn't keep track of our late thirties. So he's thirty-eight. To be thirty-eight years old, especially with all the damage he's taken and and still main eventing, and you know this is not the greatest main event or anything, but it's not like you know we say, oh my god, like what the hell is this guy doing the main event? Like like okay, like all right, we don't we don't have the the, the best main event ever, but like these guys are main event guys. Is pretty pretty tremendous. Both these guys, um, RDA obviously is southpaw. He still has decent volume for a guy his age. Short, tight boxing, throws combinations. I, I love his his lead uh, right hand that he like. He'll throw his power hand as lead. Has uh, stinging power. Um, definitely not one of the bigger crackers in the um, in the division at welterweight. He has some really good calf kicks. I've always liked his calf kicks. Um, I'm glad you mentioned a comparison to Glover Teixeira because for a long time we talk about Glover Teixeira and it, it wasn't until more the end that we really gave his due as a grappler and saying like, wow, like this is one of the greatest grapplers in the history of MMA that took this long for us to realize it. And RDA is kind of the same in that, that I, mean, I know the styles, but same thing. Like he's, he's one of the greatest grapplers 
especially from the top position. If we're going top side grapplers, I'm not saying he's Damian Maya, but he's that next tier down. Like he's he's really good. Uh, you were talking about his clinch work. Almost, I I think I'm a little higher in his clinch work than you are. Um, I think his dirty box is pretty mean. Obviously, he's a little undecided in his division. Like if he was going against Kamar Usman in the clinch, I'd be really worried. But uh, I think he's always been a, a very underrated wrestler. Um, I mean, you go back to the, to uh, Bar- I mean Barbarino is not not a good one to compare, but I've seen some slick inside trips from him. Uh, great he, abu- he abused Kevin Lee. And Kevin yeah. Lee was supposed to be a really good wrestler. Yeah, I mean that was like four years ago, or was or three years ago. So I mean, thirty-eight different thirty-four. But yeah, most of the cool stuff he did is at least four years ago. I'm just pulling yeah. up what I can. No, I, I know. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> um, like you mentioned, no. Oh, Leon, I was struggled, you know, to finish him. I'm like, oh, that was four years ago. I don't, I don't know if Leon, I would this Leon, I would just struggle uh, with him. But if he's on top, he he he's he's going to be hard to get up from bottom. He's he's a very good smothering topside grappler, good control. Obviously, a BJJ black belt. But like everyone's a BJJ black belt. Like we mentioned, a whole bunch of people. But like already is a this different. Like they need to. It's watered down what a BJJ black belt is. They need to like. I know they have a red belt, and then it's so like. Like, can we get like? And I know there's degrees and everything, but what the hell's the between a second degree and a third degree? Or what? Like, can we get like a? There's a reason BJJ guys ask each other from who. Yeah, like 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 we get like a platinum or something. Like he's like he's above you know a black belt in comparisons to most black belts. Uh, he's got ten submissions in his in his career, and another thing about it, like yeah he. He got outclassed, but he wasn't slowing down. Like, that's not why he lost. So I'm surprised that he still has, you know, not the greatest gas tank, but it's still a pretty good gas tank this far in his career, you know. Um, and it wasn't that long ago that he's gone 25 minutes. Now, uh, Luke, high-volume striker, pressure striker, fights absolutely fearless. Now, that might change when, you know, they find brain hemorrhaging, in, in, you know, uh but you, you know, from what we've last seen, absolutely fearless guy, constantly moving forward, taking ground, just plotting. Um, you know, he's a good boxer, high guard defense. Problem is, he's good offensive boxer. The problem is, he's he's always been an issue defensively. He lacks head movement, um, more kind of shoulder rolls and stuff, deflecting things. Which even when he's like the Stephen Thompson fight, Stephen Thompson outclassed him, but it also looked worse because. When Thompson was throwing him, he was like deflecting things off his shoulder, so it still looks like he's it's landing. Uh, you know, he's one of these guys that he'll walk forward, eat one or two shots, try to land one of his own. He's always been one of the most durable fighters in the history of of the UFC. Like one of these guys, like just yeah, you know, I, we talked about this obviously just a couple weeks ago with the baddest MFers and what does that mean and who's people don't throw Vicente Luque's name out there. But I mean, he fits if you if what they want, what the UFC wants that category to mean, like Vicente Luque's like in that like club uh, of of just a guy that's just tough as nails. But the problem is that insane toughness. He's taken a lot of damage, like you know Stephen Thompson, but especially you mentioned the Jeff Neal, and he is showing signs of decline. And I'm starting to be worried about his chin due to the amount of damage taken. And then obviously if he's having. I mean, I still, I still can't believe. I don't know why I'm, I'm sitting on this, but that she shouldn't be allowed to fight. But uh, he offensively, I'm talking about his boxing. I kind of glanced over it a little bit. So he's got a sharp jab, follows up with tight inside shots, 
Uh, everything comes straight down the pipe. He attacks with combination. He's got good output. Uh, when he gets in the pocket, he's just one of the most violent guys looking to kill you. Good leg kicks. Uh, he mixes in his grapple. I agree with you. Like, very under, underrated offensive wrestler. But he's a he's a weaker defensive wrestler. I mean, you mentioned Bilal Muhammad taking him down. I mean, that we that loss aged so well. I mean, nobody takes down Bilal Muhammad. I mean, so nobody stops takedowns from Bilal Muhammad in, in the UFC. Guys more decorated. Bilal Muhammad might be the best welterweight in the world. I'm, I'm, I'm not yeah. saying I'm not, I'm not saying that, but like if if he is, it, like, it wouldn't yeah. shock me. Like he's 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 he's, he's really good, you know. And, and even even among a division that has. Kamaru Usman and Colby yeah. Covington yeah. and and Leon Edwards and Gilbert yeah. Burns. He might yeah. be the best wrestler in that division. Yeah, he might be. Um, yeah, he might be the best wrestler in the wrestler division. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and I mean, I, I know he's not. <laughs> who knows if he's welterweight, but he's he's fought this Shemayev. You know. Um, yeah, I think you, did you mention Gilbert Burns and uh, so Luke has six subs and and he's he he's been held down, but he's hard to submit. So, this is a tough one. Like you seem very confident. You pick. You went with underdog, and, and you seem like a very confident underdog pick. I'm not as sure as you. I'm. I'm. I'm definitely more on the fence because I have to me that I think. I think this. You seem like you have a lot of question marks about RDA. I think there's a lot of question marks about both of these guys. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's people who do shows like this, and they make the you know. Big confident and good. I, I don't hate if you follow those. Like, cool. I'm not giving one of these. I'm really confident pick. Like, if I was a, if there's a betting one that this one was, I'm passing out. Um, I'm surprised that RDA. That's another one. I was surprised that RDA. I thought Luke would be, you know, being the younger fighter and everything. I thought he'd be a slight favorite. I knew it'd be close, but that he'd be a slight favorite. But I'm going the other way, man. I'm I'm gonna go with the former champ, uh, just due to the wrestling advantage and. Um, Luke is a very aggressive fighter, and he's a very um, he's good, but he's game, he's never been a game planner, and RDA is RDA has always been um, you know put himself one of these guys kind of put himself in the best avenue for victory, whether it be clinching, whether it be wrestling. Um, another Tachera similarity. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, good, good point. I, I I think he gets a few takedowns. I think. They're close rounds, but the takedowns might steal him some rounds, like timely takedowns. I say RDA Allen's a really close but unanimous decision. That is it. The Sherdog Radio Network preview for UFC on ESPN 51, Luque versus Dos Anjos, also known as UFC Vegas 78. I've been your host, Ben Duffy. He has been Keith Schillen. If this is your first time watching or listening to one of our previews, first of all, thank you. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it. We do our best to bring uh, as good a mix of legitimate deep analysis and predictions and then occasional historical or humorous asides as you'll find anywhere in this industry. Uh, Please do like, subscribe, leave us a comment. Keith and I both man the comment section. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. If you think we're way off base on any of these calls, well, we probably are, but, uh, you know, let us know and we'll give you your proper credit afterwards. Uh, most importantly though, join us for the recap. We will be live on the SureDog YouTube page, usually about 10 to 15 minutes after the main event. Keith takes the, uh, captain's chair. We'll talk about all 12 of these fights in reverse order, going from this headliner all the way down to that, uh, women's flyweight opener. 
talking about what was good, what was bad, what was surprising, what was controversial. There's always something. Uh, talking about what's next for some of the notable winners as well as losers and hearing from you because the live chat on the YouTube page is open that whole time. So we're taking your questions, your comments, and your hot takes in real time. We have a growing community of friends that hang out with us after the fights, and we'd love to have you be part of it. Between now and then, thank you once again for listening. We apologize for the delay. Uh, if you're wondering on Monday where this was, uh, but enjoy uh, the rest of your week. By all means, enjoy those fights. Enjoy those fights.